So, um, anybody who's watching this, anyone, if you're out there, who's watching this might feel like this is random and completely out of nowhere, but actually Ty and I have been recording some content. We really are wanting to put together a podcast for sports fans and former athletes who are now flirting with their AARP years um, and give our perspective and just have like a, a, a space for people with our experiences to talk about like what's going on in the sports world and culture and all of that. Um, but something has been going on over the last couple of days that we were just like feverishly texting about. Um, and we just decided like, no, we have to talk about this now. We have to put it out now. We don't have time to edit things and figure out. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and have a little chat now. Call it a teaser. If this goes well, maybe we don't even need to have a podcast. We'll just keep doing these. Um, it's less work for me. So um, thanks for coming. But what we're here to talk about is all of this discourse post-Women's Final Four, which was the most successful, well-attended, viewed Final Four in the history of women's basketball, which sold out so fast to the extent that two weeks before the Final Four, ticket scalpers were charging premium prices for what few dregs of tickets were left for these games. In contrast, I don't know if you saw that, Ty, like the picture, the side-by-side -side pictures of like the seating map for the men's tournament versus the women's tournament, the women's map was like all gray. There was like no open seats. And the men's were surprisingly like probably 30%, 40% like open. So this is a historical moment for the game of women's basketball. And there is some really high profile discourse happening. Like Ty, why don't you summarize because you're the one who reached out to me. So why don't you? Yeah. yeah. So this kind of came about for me because um, as I'm seeing a lot of folks on social media posting Angel Reese from LSU, um, her quotes about people calling her ghetto and loud and sort of the accusations that have been explored in a lot of media around our the actions, you know, is it that Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese, a white girl and a black girl doing the same thing but be interpreted differently that that's racism. And so I took a second to sit with that because a few months ago, Angel posted something about people calling her ghetto and her not fitting into a stereotype. And I supported at that time, the way that she was talking about herself. Um, and, I, and I still feel like I wanna encourage people to be their authentic selves. Um, what, what really hit me was as an athlete, I just see this situation differently. And what I realized was I'm looking at my feed and I'm like, okay, people keep posting, supporting her, like loving Angel, what she's saying. Like, I'm not saying people should be dissing her, but there's a lot of support for what she was saying and a lot of support for the idea that, th that this is driven by race. This, this discussing how Caitlin and Angel are somehow doing the same thing and being treated very differently for that thing. And so I got to thinking, okay, why is it that I don't feel that way? Why do I support her as a black woman trying to find her way and figure herself out in this very public stage? But I don't agree that this is that. 
And so I'm like, okay, who do I trust and, and, and think are critical thinkers about issues of race and gender and sport? And so I spoke to you, Ashley, and I was just like, okay, I was waiting. I was like, I didn't, I wasn't leading. I'm just like, I have a lot of, I said, I have a lot of feelings about this. And I waited to like, hear what you just said. Here's an essay. And I was like, yes, okay, right. And then I talked to um, another friend of mine um, who is well-versed in social justice and psychology. And I was like, I have a lot of feelings about this. Same thing. Let her kind of put it out there and spoke to another friend who is a writer who actually wrote an article about this leading with it being about race. And so I said to him, I'm like, I trust you too. Like, I need to talk to you about this. I feel some type of way about it. Mm -hmm. And in my DMs, I'm talking, and I don't mess with people who are strangers. I just, I, I can't do it. But like with no. friends, people I know relatively well, some of them, I'm, and a lot of them black women, I'm like, fam, what's up? Like, what we, can we talk about this? And what I came up with was something that um, I want to share with you sort of my thoughts in a, a nutshell. So to me, the nuanced difference is worth noting when we talk about the um, you can't see me thing that Caitlin Clark did, you know, when we talk about her waving off players, you know, sort of the taunting that went on, all, all that sort of trash talking. That first gesture was in the Louisville game. That second gesture, like waving off people, you know, the, the girl when she was second on, on defense against South Carolina, South Carolina game. After all the games, Caitlin's hyped the crowd up, hyped her team up. They've been generally positive, arrogant, certainly can, can be perceived as, as, as arrogant, right? I mean, I'm not saying that they're not. Sometimes I'm just right. like, oh, Caitlin, okay, okay, right? Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's a little, so it can be a little bit cringy, but yeah. I think generally what has made me not upset about them is that they have been motivating and like encouraging and like hyping versus hurtful or targeted at individual mm -hmm. people in that way. And so that was one of the first things that I sort of acknowledged. And I said, you know, what makes me feel different about what happened with Angel? And I said, okay, well, they're not guarding each other. So as someone who played basketball for so many years, me getting into a beef with like a point guard makes very little sense. I'm playing in the paint. We're not having these issues. This yeah. is not happening like that, right? And so, I, I, right? So too small. Too small. Too small. <laughs> too small. <laughs> I tell myself, okay, well, like, how would I feel differently? I said, okay, if Angel was on a switch, was being guarded by Caitlin, and she bodied her up and scored and won, I can see her doing a too small on Caitlin. I'm not mad at that at all. Flow of the game, that's trash talking. Then Caitlin come back, drain three on her. Do something about it. You know what I mean? Right. If it's, you know, if Caitlin comes in the lane and Angel swats her shot, doing the Matumbo, not in my house, not mad at that. Get out, get more creative. Yeah. But that, that to yeah. me is all fair, right? Yeah. What I saw Angel Reese do is wait till the game was fully clearly going to be won by LSU. And there was, I know that she was walking on the court at some point, sort of following her around taunting her, but on the free throw line specifically, when they're both lining up to box out for free throws, stoppage in play, someone you're not guarding, not in the flow of the course of the game, mm -hmm. the game is already won for you. Right. The winning is the flex to me at that point, you know, the and, and to the know flex, the kind of competitor yeah. that Caitlin is, for her to already know the game is lost, you can't hurt her more than that. Her losing the national championship game is the biggest hurt she's going to feel. And Ever. so to me, like, that's just taunting and it's unsportsmanlike and it's, and it's, it was petty. And on top of that, Caitlin was not even looking. No. Caitlin was looking in the opposite direction and she tried to get her attention. Like she was yes. like, yo, and tried to get her attention so that she could do this. It was all, it all felt 
kind of premeditated like not absolutely in a not in a like I'm gonna do this but like there was a lot of intention behind all of that yeah and I think I was disappointed too because in the post-game interview Angel basically gloated about it like well yeah I was in my bag like I was feeling myself and so you know basically I took didn't take kindly to her disrespecting my girls from the SEC to you know from South Carolina so you're admitting that basically on behalf of someone else like you didn't like how they played saggy defense and dared them to shoot it's called game strategy, fam. Like, if I right. sag off of you and you were wide open, is it coming upon you to then hit that shot to make me also, play girl, on you? Oh, girls started hitting the shots. And, and we said that, this is what kills me. It's like, she did start shooting. She made the shots. Iowa chose, we'll let them shoot threes. We're going to block like on the two. All right, that's a game plan choice. Yeah. So you may feel however you want to feel about that. That's not a you situation. This is right. not, so example I gave was like, if you and I had a beef and we're yelling at each other at the same time, and then two days later, my friend comes up to you on the street and yells at you on my behalf, that's weird. And that yeah. feels different than if we're beefing in the course of you know, the, the moment of our fight, right? And so right. I think what was hard for me was trying to, as a Black woman and as an athlete, having this separation, right? To be able to mm-hmm. identify nuance and to stand on that part and to say, right. Yes, black and white athletes are often described differently. We hear about with quarterbacks, especially all the time, right? You know, we're hearing all this like cerebral and like strategic and then, you know, mm-hmm. brute strength. I mean, think about yeah. how just for, I mean, back to slavery, how we talk about black bodies, right? Mm-hmm. There's an Pure athleticism, that, right? Yeah. Brute yeah. strength. So there's a lot, there's, there's a loaded history there. And I'm not saying that we don't talk about black and white athletes differently in a way that there's racist. I'm not saying that, people don't think of Caitlin as America's sweetheart and they can't identify with Angel in that same way. I'm not saying that. I'm just mm-hmm. saying that the example that she that she chose, Angel chose to give, we did the same thing and you don't talk about her like that. It's not the same no. thing. And no. so it's being blown up so big in a way that not only makes me frustrated because I feel like it's not, this ain't that, but also because Everything I've heard around this topic has distracted us from the real win, which is LSU played a really great game. People who had not been playing well stepped up. They came and dropped mad buckets. They 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 gritted it out. They have been in games like that. We should be talking about yeah, yeah. We should be talking about that. This like bench player who got tapped and hit twenty one points in the first half, like literally did not miss a shot in the entire first half and shot a lot so like I want to see her like this should be like a moment where it's like Like, yeah part of what's hard for me too is that if we're going to compare there's much more apples to apples to compare like and I understand upbringings are different media training is different people's way of communicating is different at every opportunity she has been given Caitlin Clark has been thoughtful about responding in support of her team and the game and on behalf of the state of Iowa and things that are just much more, as much as she is admittedly can come across as very cocky and arrogant and all of that. Yeah. Has earned some of that, right? I mean, Angel, yeah. <laughs> right? And, I mean, Angel, the double-double queen has earned some of that as well. I mean, understandably, mm-hmm. they both are exceptional players. I think that what I've heard from Angel is a lot of me, 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 I, 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 even you mentioned this before about like how she wants to be the voice of a gender. It just, I, I just, I'm not convinced that, and the word that we've used to talk about it mostly is immaturity. I think that's what I'm mm-hmm. seeing that makes me sad is that 
it feels like there's a bandwagon of support that's being jumped on without the full picture of things and that we've missed out the of course it's, it's clickbait it's exciting for journalists to dive into this and to explore race and gender and whatever mm-hmm. and i absolutely agree that we don't talk about male athletes who do who taunt during games and, and trash talk we don't do no. that yeah, this that is also like the- for me like when you're an ncaa women's athlete too this is the biggest deal because the WNBA is not going to pay you, right? So this is like- You are making bigger. more right now. Right now. Than you are going this to make This is the moment. The so, yeah. And so to not set a standard at this level, it just makes me feel sad. And so I'm, I'm disappointed that when given this kind of a spotlight that she absolutely earned, Angel did through her teamwork and her skill work and navigating the system to transfer into a program that was better fit for her. That given the spotlight, it's been utilized to- create a narrative that I don't think is the proper example, but also I think has missed the bigger point. And that just makes it, it's a missed opportunity that makes me really sad. Yeah, yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And the first thing after you texted me, or like after you DM me about it, the very first thing I said was like, I'm kind of struggling with this because I don't know if it's like a deep seated internalized anti-blackness that I still have in me. And honestly, I don't know a black person who doesn't. We really, it's, it's ingrained, it's systemic. We have all, like you said, seen how black people are treated differently and have a different set of consequences. And as a result, we have all up until our generation, hopefully the next generation doesn't get this like toxic advice, but We've all been told you have to be twice as good. You have to be beyond reproach. Like you cannot give anyone any ammunition to use against you. And a lot of our like worldviews and personalities, even if we buck against the systemic anti-Blackness, still comes from that, right? Like there are just things that we were taught that you do do and you don't do if you don't want to be perceived a certain way. And all of that, that entire lesson is internalized anti-Blackness. Like the fact that there should be any issue or like of how a Black person could be perceived as opposed to just this behavior is not for me, period. It doesn't matter where you come from. I'm just not into it. Um, So I, I want to acknowledge that, that I am willing to admit that there are parts of me who that are struggling with this and that are like still kind of like not like you said like that's not setting right because I keep kind of going back and being like okay well am I just missing something like am is this so deeply ingrained in me that something that younger generations of people are like oh bet yes go do it and I'm like oh no like am I just old like, do I just have like an old world view? Because we're that, 20 years older than Angel and Exactly, Caitlin, right? exactly. Like we're her, their parents' age, Yeah. right? And so when I think about what my parents' worldview is, it is, it feels very, very archaic. And there are things where I'm like, oh no, that is not okay. Like that's so toxic. And so I'm willing to admit that some of, my discomfort with it could be the result of the fact that I was raised to behave in a certain way so that I wouldn't be perceived in a certain way. I was never raised with a green light to act however the fuck I want and not apologize for it. Right, yeah. 
that's just not how black mothers no. did do I don't know right Man. so I want to I want to name that and then like there's also because this conversation that we're seeing happening on social media has lacked so much nuance and so much context before people start assigning things to us I want to make sure that there's like some basic facts about like that we discussed about where we're coming from in this so first of all female athletes are athletes period we do not subscribe to this idea that because you are a female athlete that you should behave a certain way on the court or that you need to be more demure or that your sportsmanship should be just like pristine and you should just want everyone to have a good time we are not saying that and in fact one of the examples that i immediately used was that like there are different kinds of court demeanors there are different kinds of asshole on the court you have, you do. And I think that this is the story of two assholes in a little yeah, bit in a way, you know? It truly is. <laughs> and, you know, like you have the like John Stockton kind of, you know, you have like the Steph Curry where it's like, I'm playing the game, but I might jaw at you a little bit. Like if I embarrass yeah. you, I'm going to like, there's going to be a wink there and you're going to know. But then there's like Dennis Rodman. There's like Bill Lambeer. There are people who are like out there maybe losing sight of the game in their competitiveness. And they could do the same gesture and they could mean very different things coming from those different types of court demeanors. And they're going to be perceived differently. Um, secondly, we've all also, we both acknowledged like anti-Black bias is a thing. The like great white hope phenomenon is a thing. We have discussed the fact that there are, um, there are, definitely like five that I can rattle off white female basketball players who were excellent athletes who did a lot for their programs who were very successful but who got a like <laughs> a huge platform and got a huge amount of resources um at the professional and the college level that other black athletes who were as good if not better and who were doing the same kind of things for their programs when those athletes kind of went ignored or when the athletes like who helped you get there, you know, like you can't be an assist queen if people are not, right. you don't have forwards like Swin Cash and Asia Wilson, no, Law, no, Asia from UConn play with Swin, Swin Cash. Like they're big girls, um, catching and making those shots, right? but only one person gets put up on the pedestal and hmm, interesting which one that is. So that does exist. And I think that it's important for us to acknowledge that that exists. And that's part of the kind of collective trauma that we as black people experience, um, seeing that happen over and over again. And honestly, one of the most common um, one of the most common kind of responses to trauma is hypervigilance. It's this idea and this expectation that everything that triggers you is out to get you. And you don't have that beat to say, wait a minute, is what I'm seeing actually what I'm interpreting? Or is, you know, or am I like completely right to respond this way? And what I feel like is happening right now in the comments on social media is that a lot of people were triggered by this 
by just even the optics of that matchup. Yes. And when something happened that people also who I think are completely outside of the conversation, like there are people who are saying awful things about Angel Reese, yeah. like bigoted, like non-athletes, like who do not deserve a moment of our time. And if this no. is, if this was all a response to those people, I've Very had no problem response. with it. Yep. Like it makes absolute sense that the black community is going to circle around her and make sure that all these bigots like cannot in any way, shape or form, like seriously damage this young woman. But there are still, there are people who are not bigots <laughs> who have, who had legitimate, like kind of like, mm, I don't know about the sportsmanship on that. And there's being, there's all these like pylons that are happening now. Um, when people express like that they're not, it's not quite sitting right with them that this is all about race. It's not quite sitting right with them yeah. that this has become like a comparison between two athletes because at the end of the day, a lot of the critique, and again, we are going to X out any racist dog whistle critiques, but any critiques about sportsmanship that I've been seeing a lot of those are literally about that one gesture. That's the thing. And they're about just that one gesture from Angel Reese. They are not saying that she should aspire to be more like Caitlin Clark. No. They're not saying that she was like, all they said was like, ooh, girl, no. They're a visual side by side of the same action that happened in different games, in different contexts. And that's what, yeah. and I think that what I'm hearing too is people saying, well, like, that even be able to see the nuances of privilege or mm -hmm. that like somehow looking at it from that angle. And I'm like, but the thing is context matters. Right. And, and I just, I think that the idea that people were, were triggered by this. If this happens four years ago, I think we have a different response. Mm -hmm. I think that there, I think that there's a lot happening in our world right now that has a lot of both feelings type of way and the people are on edge. And there's a lot of things that are, feel very scary a lot mm -hmm. of marginalized groups feeling very targeted, rightfully so, because there are people out mm -hmm. really trying to take away rights and it's a terribly yeah. scary time. Um, and I think that we've been conditioned over the last several years, especially as a society, to hear certain things or to feel certain emotions and have a gut reaction that mm -hmm. is appropriate, that we are trying mm -hmm. to become more aware of if it sounds like this, maybe it's that, right? So if it sounds mm -hmm. like this girl did it and it's okay, and this girl did it and it's not okay, why is it the difference? Oh, it's because she's mm -hmm. black. Okay, mm -hmm. so now we need to trigger the support card because there's a racist issue happening, right? So I think that there's, and like yep. I said before, there are there's racism and there is sexism that underlies the whole situation, certainly. But mm -hmm. I just feel it just it, it felt really important to me from an athlete perspective to make that distinction about this ain't that because I do think that the media and, and folks who are lashing onto this in a very specific way are doing it to say it's the exact same thing. And Angel right. herself said, people do the same thing, you don't criticize them. And that to me is where we're missing out. Right, right. And, you know, I'm really, I, I find myself not as frustrated with like the everyday people in the DMs, like, okay, like, I, where I've found myself really recoiling is seeing um, 
journalists, sports journalists, kind of get onto their platforms, black and white, male and female, like, and non-binary. Like I've seen literally every stripe and variety of sports journalists that's out there stand up to have some sort of comment about it. And it is all largely um, supportive of Angel Reese and her playing style and her behavior, um, which one feels willfully obtuse because we are talking about one situation, one action. We are not talking about her entire kind of catalog of like shit talking. Everybody was like, this is going to be a fun game because Caitlin and Angel are both epic shit talkers. People were expecting that. Nobody is surprised by that. It was the one thing at the very end, like, which, like you said, instead of her taking that moment to celebrate with her team and with her fans, um, and the only time that she actually turned to her fans to do this was after Caitlin refused to look at her, right? So she was not centering the people who supported that team getting there or were literally on the floor. It was all about humiliating an opponent. That part. And for sportsmanship, humiliation. I just. And the one place where I like, you know what, maybe this is where anti-Blackness leaks in is that someone got that interaction on camera close up where you could see her entire expression. You could see that this was not a like, oh, like heat of the moment kind of thing. You could see real disgust on her face when she did it. You could see her trying to get her opponent's attention. Like you saw all of that very close up. So if we're gonna talk about anti-Blackness happening anywhere, it's the fact that the media chose to play that clip chose to put that clip in the middle of the game before the game was even over. Someone caught it and they were like, oh shit. This is it, yeah. They did not say, oh, how could this, how could this be misinterpreted? Like this is, this young woman is barely out of her teens, caught up in like the moment. It's clearly some kind of bitter rivalry, but how might this be perceived? Does it benefit us or this story that we're trying to tell about these two teams to put that frame into like into the game? Do the fans need to see that? Even the interviews though, like the interviews asking her about it and asking Angel about it, were all like encouraging, like, oh yeah, you wouldn't really want to after her. There was yeah. definitely that undertone of like encouraging. Mm-hmm. Like dogpiling a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I was really, and so it's really. I'm really frustrated with the media because y'all are the reason that this double standard exists. Like, I'm gonna look at the camera. Sports media and marketing is the only reason that this double standard exists. If y'all had been covering black women and white women equally the entire time and giving praise and accolades to black women and white women the entire time and people like regardless of race, just based on their accomplishments and abilities. And if those people were then given 
the appropriate resources based on all of that achievement, we wouldn't be in this spot. So there's a little bit of, you know, especially white journalists getting up on their soapbox, being like, we're not what we're not going to do. And I'm like, but you created this. You created an environment in which Angel Reese feels like she has to go out fully armed, like battle gear, and assert her personality and her identity to such a degree that she doesn't even get to be soft or vulnerable. She doesn't get to have dimensions because she has to call it out before you do. And you talked about, you said before about how you can, it's yes and, right? Like you, you can be competitive and gritty and also authentic. And also like there's, there's no, it's not like you have to, that if you're a black athlete, you are this way, if you're a white athlete, you're this way. And it's not that like being aggressive on the offensive boards is somehow mm-hmm. a black skill that is, you know, and I think Lisa Luter was talking about <laughs> yeah. the, the, the bar fight context, right? But I do think there's oh this, the, right? There's the depiction of, I mean, we, we were literally sold on blocks as animals in slavery, right? There's it's right. based on our physical abilities and, and what were the selling points of us, right? To be mm-hmm. traded during slavery, mm-hmm. right? And so when I think about the history of how we talk about black bodies and women add an extra layer onto that certainly as well, there's a lot of conversation that's seeping into this. Mm-hmm. And I'm struggling with, I think, how much to, how much that should be continuing to happen because I think, I think that's an important point. I think that talking about the history of how we talk about black and white bodies and how we talk about mm-hmm. black and white women and our roles is important. I think that, you know, the same person who is aggressive or physical versus gritty or resilient, like there's the, there's the words that we use mm-hmm. matter, and mm-hmm. they are very gendered and they are very racialized as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's important to talk about those things. And I feel like, am I just being petty by focusing on the lack of apples to apples comparison in this situation that sparked the whole conversation? But I think that right. that's like, I, I can't detach from that feeling that it's too important to, like, I can't leave out the context piece of it. And right. I think it's important to have a conversation about race and gender and how we talk about athletes. And the more that we talk about like name, image, and likeness opportunities and that women athletes are getting more opportunities to make money younger and to build their brands earlier on, mm-hmm. literally building brands are going to pay them money. Right. I think that the decisions that they make when they are this age matter more and differently than they did previously. And so yep. bad judgment, you said before, is not the same as bad character, right? Mm-hmm. There are things that people do that are maybe not the standard sportsmanship that we have come to know. Um, but at the same time, then I started to thinking about when I think about being a bad or good sport, is that racialized too? Like, have I been right, yeah. put into a situation which there's a certain way to act, and that way to act is defined by whiteness? And so that, right. and, and so it's it's, and then mm-hmm. so my friend, um, speaking of sports journalists, my friend Bill Roden wrote an article uh, about this very very issue, and we spoke yesterday. And I was like, I need to just talk to you. I need to like talk this yeah. out loud. And he was really balanced in the conversation. He was just like your experience is yours and that's authentic as everyone else's is. He's like, and beyond that, it's all academic. It's all theoretical. Mm-hmm. So like all you can do is talk through your lens 
And so my lens is colored by the fact, literally colored by the fact that I grew up in a diverse community and diverse, all different kinds of black folks and all different kinds of Mm -hmm. other races that Mm -hmm. I played on predominantly mixed race teams and sports growing Mm -hmm. up. And that I did learn a certain way of play that was a certain way of comporting myself for my family, from my coaches, from just being out in the world for my school and education that maybe is more aligned with how Caitlin Clark maybe was, right? I don't know how she was yeah. raised, right? Well, I'm saying how the media would have you believe this sort of like mm-hmm. Midwestern all-American girl kind of attitude, right? Maybe that maybe yeah. that's a difference, right? But at the same right. time, I'm a big black girl too. And so right. like my foul- Layers, intersectionality. There's a lot going on, right? <laughs> right yeah. And like, and strong. And when there, there are tons of times where I remember thinking like when, you know, growing up either high school or college, that fouls just look different on me, right? So like I'm standing there and you bounce off of me and they're like, oh my gosh, that poor small person is so right. damaged from this yeah. dainty and from this gigantic, yeah. right? And right. I'm like, I just, all I did was stand, it's not really a foul if right. I just stood there and she bounced and off And meanwhile, of on offense, they are literally hanging off hanging. of you, like the Lilliputians hanging. and Gulliver. Like, yeah, yes. I, my parent, my mom like found some old game tape of me and like, from like a like an exposure camp or something and there were literally yeah like, hanging. their feet were off of the ground but you can <laughs> handle it right I mean you're your big strong like when you, yeah. you, you you're fine right so that so all yeah. of that it, it's yes and right it's like all of those things I see it through that lens and and mm-hmm. and I am an admitted and a huge Iowa fan I went to University of Iowa for law school so I'm very like supportive of that school mm-hmm. and so am I bummed to see the team that I was cheering for lose absolutely do I also accept that they didn't play the better game in that particular day? Yeah, I do accept yeah. that. And I'm most disappointed in the moment that the game has that is being eclipsed by what I don't right. think are the best intentions, I think either, right? Because I think that if Angel's real goal was to spark a dialogue or to shift a narrative or to show a bigger, broader side of herself, the story would be about all of her. People will be, right. they'd be diving into more. I don't know anything about her. Right. All I know is about the situation and, and the people's perspectives on this. Where mm-hmm. is the rest of Angel Reese then? Like why, you know, can we learn more about who she really is if right. that's the point of this? Can we talk more about the impact of this year's Final Four and the whole tournament, honestly, with the women's game on mm-hmm. viewership and on, on what that means now for future NIL deals or what it means for future um um, media deals can talk about the shift yeah. from like last year to this year with the weight room situation that's down to Prince oh brought my up gosh. And how yeah. so much has happened in a year right so there's yeah. so many things that I think are lost in this and it is because they're not as sexy of a story and that right. if you're a journalist or if you're someone who's I mean as I even debate how to talk about this because in the dms I'm able to say okay this is my viewpoint and like this, this is this is how I see the difference and people have been pretty respectful for the most part but certainly there's been that sort of poking at me sort of saying, okay, but like, is there that anti-blackness or is there something else with yeah. you that you're not seeing? And I'm like, yeah, maybe. Probably. Also, I think it's all of that though. I, I, think, it, I think it's all of yeah. these things. But also on the other end, is there possibly something that the people who are seeing this as a very clear instance of race politics, is there something that they're not seeing? Like right. it's Rashomon, right? Like there's, 
what one person said happened, what the other person said happened, and what really happened. And it's probably someplace in the middle in that a lot of the feelings that this is stirring up for everyone is a remnant of anti-Blackness, white supremacy, and the way that we've seen those things play out, particularly in women's basketball. That is where the conversation about race comes in. This people are using as a Trojan horse to have that very meaningful conversation, but to the detriment of actual human beings. Like of actual, and a moment in individual and people, a moment and a moment and a huge moment that should be celebrated, right? And I'm just I'm not seeing anything about that game. I'm not seeing anything about Angel Reese even as an athlete anymore. About like nope. how great how like how she's such a great rebounder. About like how she's so efficient with putbacks. Because Lord, I saw so many missed layups, and she does not miss. It does not matter. Like what's in front of her on an offensive rebound like she just really does not miss those things like we and she broke a record that night so like there are all of these things that we should be celebrating you're right that we're not talking about and in exchange we are having this very kind of ham-fisted conversation where we are praising a young athlete for a gesture that I don't think demonstrated the best judgment that much. I don't have a problem with showing emotion. I don't have a problem with joy, but I do think that there is room to say, oh, you took it a bit far. You took it a bit far and unfortunately it got caught on camera. Every single nuance, like movement, got caught on camera and slowed down. That is a framing device about you. It and, you shouldn't be okay, and you shouldn't be okay with that. There is more to this girl than what we are talking about. There is more to who she is and how she cares for people than what we talk about when we talk about Angel Reese. And it's just, it's frustrating because I think that she's young and I think that she thinks in absolutes like we all did when we were that age. Platform. So she feel I feel like there's like this sense that you have to go with it because that is Yeah, like, but there's that's what people are responding to, which you learn much later in life. And that's part of it. That's also what um, you know, what I've I've heard from people is like, yeah, everything you're saying comes with 20 years of experience mm-hmm. more than she has, and with a different different perspective, right? And so like Yes, in the moment, you did a lot of stuff that was ridiculous when you played. Yes, I sure did. You were there for a lot of those moments. We were going, right. right? <laughs> like we were going to actually do those things too. Right. And so I think that's part of it though, is that we have done it and been there. So we do have the perspective that we wouldn't have had then. And, we, and no one was, we weren't playing in the national championships where we girls. So we weren't yeah. on television where everyone's coming at us and all the lights are bright and the opportunity feels like you're going to, in, in, in a world yeah. where sound bites is how everyone operates. And so- a lot has changed and so people's dads and their moms with a jug of pennies like that was (laughs) it's a very different time I think the part of it is I think about pivoting it's like there are things that she can be talking about that she has prior to this game um, I saw social media there was a a number of different accounts were highlighting um, 
some of the athletes are wear with the lashes and like the hair and the whole thing. And it was like mm-hmm. trying to encourage them to get NIL deals for with, with these, you know, makeup and hair companies. Yeah. And so I'm like, it would be a great pivot to say, you know, people think I'm ghetto. This is not business. People think that I look a certain way. Well, here's the thing. Like I take pride My in how I look. My edges are <laughs> yeah. laid. I have not yeah. seen a frayed edge. I have not seen a lash hang no, on. I have not on that like edge n- no like how are you sweating so much and all of these things are staying down and on and not flaking I don't get it like if that that's also Magic. part of the story right so I think yeah. there's a there's pieces to it where even if you get caught up in it right in the big the beginning I just it makes me also say we talked about this in other areas about sort of how teams and, and schools and leagues aren't supportive of, of the athletes the way they should I don't know what the media training is at this level, but I would have to guess if you're in the final four, there should be some pretty extensive media training going into all these interviews you're going to be doing to talk about sort of how to, how to handle things. Because some of the kids, and they are kids, truly, um, in my opinion, like, I'm like, wow, you would handle that better than I could have. Like, oh. I just wish she understood that the last few days or the last few weeks and the next few weeks are going to cement her brand. They're go- anybody who's out there, it's going to cement your brand. I just, I, where are her big sisters? You know, like, I mean, I would normally come from a coach also, some. but we know that's not going to come in this situation. So, and Tim Mulkey actually said um, in the interview after he won that, you know, this is a game, this is a team full of fighters, this is a team full of scrappy players who have big personalities that other coaches wouldn't want to take on. And I'm so happy that those players found a place where they feel like they can be themselves and they can be authentic and it is absolutely shocking to me that Kim Mulkey is the one providing that space but they seem on board with it and so like who knows but at the same time could we stop and think about the fact that that is part of her brand that is part of the image that she's creating is that this is where you go to be hard nosed and da 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 da, and so things like media and no one else wanted you, and important. no one else knew what to do with you, and I took and you so, in and helps make something of you, right? And so things like media training and things like smoothing out the rough ed- edges is not as important because that's not the brand. The brand is for you to be rough. The brand is yeah. for you to be, you know, which is, which is a choice, and that's and that's a fine choice, unrefined, but. At the same time, there are impacts. I, I mean, I do. I want Angel. I I want Angel Reese to win. She is not. If I and also we watch a lot of our things. We also have to acknowledge through the lens of coaches. And so yeah, we're true. not just athletes. We both spent a lot of years coaching high school girls, and as part of that. Like we have to be their mentors and there's things that they look up to us to model. And there are things that it's just like, no, that's not acceptable, you know? And, but that's coming from my, me wearing my coach's hat. Oh yeah. We bench kids so that they would, to save them from themselves when coaches were scouting them. We will bench you because we know that right now you can't help yourself. And that's cool because you're 16, 17, 18, we get that. But like, we can't have what coaches are looking for them make a judgment about you in this moment when you're not being your best self. Absolutely. Right. Some of it too is just the cringiness for Caitlin and for Angel for me is like coming from being a coach, less a player. It's coming more from me being a coach and thinking about what the consequences of being perceived a certain way might be for that player's career. And yeah. um, 
And I think maybe more than it being athletes weighing in on this, I don't know that there's like a ton of coaches yeah, weighing in on this. Because I think about Angel, even at the end of the game, it's like, Okay, but why? All right, I get in the course of the game doing the too small, waving somebody off. Like there's that's a mental game. That's hype you up. That's not push them down. There's a strategy in mm-hmm. doing some of these sort of trash talking things in the course of the game. I don't disagree with them. I mean, can we do without them? Mm-hmm. Sure, but like at the end of the day, they're yeah. they're relatively harmless generally. I think that they're mm-hmm. part of the game that we play with basketball where you're that close to where but there's no fence between you. There's no net up. You are mm-hmm. like up in somebody's face and it's you against them and so yeah there is a lot that I think trash talking actually does bring a dynamic to the game that I don't have a problem with but at the end of the game when you've already won why are we doing this like I guess like so, you so said to me, like, it's like winning is the flag what's the point like you are yeah. if you you turn to the fans and hyping them up I'm not mad at that right. you going to your bench and like hyping them up I'm, I'm cool with that like beating the chest whatever right but I just feel yeah. like I don't understand the point of it. And that doesn't mean that like, I know all things, right? But like, I just don't understand right. what we gain from in that moment, kicking someone who's already right. down because as a competitor, you know that there's nothing, like whatever you do is just insult to injury. And is that mm-hmm. the kind of, is that what you want to be remembered for in this game? Right. Is it double-double? Is it your team winning the first championship? It, right, is it that you had a journey to get to this team and you found your fit? And then got a championship almost immediately after right. finding that fit. So I think that's you no know, sort of when I think about how it's punching I down. This. Yes, it's punching down, and I think that that's the part that is hard for me to digest. Like as a woman, as a black person, yeah. Like and like that's the like that's the gag, right? Is that this predominantly white team was losing badly? It did not go their way all night the predominantly black team played beautiful basketball well scouted basketball and won because they deserved to and in a moment where it could have been about celebrating you choose to punch down and again that's just a sign to me of immaturity because I think as you get older you realize like the if you want somebody to know that you're not for them, they do not exist to you. You do not take the, the time is the flex. to belittle them so that they know just how little you mean, they mean to you. They mean so little to you that you forgot they were there. You're too busy like celebrating with your girls and celebrating with your fans. And I really do not want the idea of punching down in any situation to become the calling card for being a confident, you know, authentic, you know, feisty player. Like that is not a part of it. And punching down is only meant to cause harm and to cause hurt. And that is the part where I think people are, and I honestly don't know that people are ignoring that fact. I think that what people are doing is now flipping it and saying that Caitlin Clark deserves to feel that way for things that are completely beyond her control because she got this wonderful edit from the press and she's America's sweetheart and all of these things. Again, if you're mad about the recognition and the hype and the edit that Caitlin Clark is getting, look at the media. Also, it could be our you Chicago, you Chicago adjacent 
Grinnell Lawrence like education and, and your like law school like <laughs> having a master's in religion where we thought about a lot of goddamn things in principle. Yeah. And though that's access and training that is not normal. It's just not yeah. normal. Yeah. And so some of what might be rattling us too is that we've had those opportunities and we've been trained to be able to separate those things out and to be able to say, well, there's like an actual thing happening here that's being colored in by other dynamics that actually aren't related. Yeah. And that's trying a, to explain a, yeah. that to people who haven't had literal decades of that sort of training and education, which I don't blame you, doesn't make me any fucking money to have done any of that. But like <laughs> but I think that that's, that's <laughs> that really helps me in perspective. I think what one of the things that I was struggling with was, you know, as we wrap it up here, I'm trying to think about like what is the real, yeah. like why am I even why are we doing this? Like why do I even want to have this <laughs> yeah. conversation? Right. Is that I don't think I'm change anyone's mind. I'm not trying to. I don't yeah. want someone like, and I know putting out my thoughts into the world makes them vulnerable Dairy. to right, and that's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and so my thinking yeah. was like, what am? Why am I doing this? Like the same question I asked about Angel. Like, why are we taunting someone who's already kicking the mother already down? Why do this? I think I'm doing this a because every time I see someone reposting the you know the the Angel's quote or like hyping up the narrative. I feel physically some type of way about it and I couldn't parse out exactly why. And so talking it out with you and with my other friends yeah. that, you know, that I, that I felt think similarly, not agree with me, but that think similarly and they are analytical thinkers about critical issues like this. Um, I need to do that for my own like mental health. Um, yeah. And I think that I also wanted to just pose another perspective that there is the yes and like there are different ways of thinking about, think about things and that, mm -hmm. It can be both not the exact same situation that everyone's making it out to be. And also there's a racial issue here. It can be both mm -hmm. of those things. I also mm -hmm. wanted to be able to, um, I think just provide an opportunity for people to like take a second and think about how they, myself included, like how we jump onto things because it feels right. Like, you know, it feels like the satisfying, my friend called it a satisfying racial moment, right? It feels like this thing we need to like support and jump on. And so- Jesse Smollett. I jumped on it that. It feels, right? <laughs> I jumped Your on it. instinct is to jump because it feels. And so that, I think that that's part of it too, right? And so I'm sure that, if, you know, whoever, the five people that watch this are going to be like those clowns just heard themselves yeah. talk for an hour about their own experiences and like they yeah. feel like you know whatever and that's perfectly right that's yeah. what happens we put things out there right but yeah. I think for me I needed to share perspective and to challenge myself because I've done the same thing you mentioned Justice Miller I've mm -hmm. done the same thing with many situations where it feels like I need to be advocating for something also to think about like to challenge people who are talking about this, to talk about Angel and Caitlin as people, who they are, the bigger picture of them, to, to challenge people to talk about what their team play has done for the game and what the little girls and boys who are watching them play, what all the next generation of athletes who are seeing them 
is getting from this. Like when I went to, because I was in Houston or in Dallas rather for the Final Four game and just seeing the diversity of fans, age, gender, yeah. race, I mean, everything, it was incredible. And that people, like, I mean, we took my, uh, my friend, I took her 10 year old daughter to go see the game. Like we, like it was an, not an inexpensive endeavor no. to get to this game, right? But it yeah. felt important to us to be there for this moment. And I just want to challenge all of us collectively to not lose sight of the bigger picture that is women's sports is changing and it's changing for the better in many ways. And it's because people continue to fight and push and elevate. And because these women are really, really talented. They're really hardworking. They're going to school and doing all this. Caitlin Clark's and they have NIL accident. And they have NIL. She's practicing. These, These women are practicing. They are they're excellent at their craft and they're doing it all while trying to navigate being late teen, early twenties women in a world that has a lot going on. Many of them haven't done this going through COVID years in the mm-hmm. beginning of their college careers. Right. So like I not just even... really want us oh, to yeah. not lose sight of those excellent stories because honestly pushing forward the positive, I think does, it does chip away the negative stuff too. And so yeah. as I reflect on this, that's been, I appreciate you being a thought partner in this and someone who's willing to kind of talk things through with me as someone who's willing to challenge me to think about things in a different way. And also that I think it's fair for us to start to, people be more vulnerable acknowledging their blind spots that like everything, yeah. as my friend said, is through your own lens. And all you can do mm-hmm. is see what you're seeing through your own experience. The rest of it's all academic, it's all theoretical. And so mm-hmm. this is my lens, this is my experience. This is how I'm seeing it. And all I want is for the stories to become better and stronger and brighter about these incredible women who are growing the game and opportunities for generations to come. And they're doing it while doing everything else in a crazy world. And we can't lose sight of that. They deserve better from us. Absolutely. I totally agree. I also want people to think about the terrible hot takes that they had in their early 20s. And to imagine what the consequences of people shoving microphones in your face and hyping you up. Oh my gosh. To re-express that terrible take over and over and over again. Like how that might not be so great for you now, right? And so there is an opportunity. And again, I'm going to point at the media about this. There is an opportunity to fix this, to make this a more nuanced conversation. And it has everything to do with the kinds of questions and the kinds of opportunities that you have to let Angel Reese tell us who she is beyond that soundbite that has been circulating for months. Stop loading that question up. We know what the answer is ask her something else that lets us see a different dimension of who she is. Like you have the power to actually create that content and ensure that this, she doesn't become a caricature of an angry black woman, which is exactly what you're trying not to do, but that's what you're doing. So um, I, I agree. I am so glad that I have you in my life because like, I can't imagine how isolating it would feel to not have somebody who I felt safe having this conversation with, especially because I know it's not popular. It's not a popular perspective right now. Um, 
but I think it's important. And I think that critique is important and critique doesn't have to mean um, that we're trying, it's not a takedown in any way, shape or form. Like there's levels and nuance to this and I can, we can want the best for all of these athletes and we do want the best for all of these athletes. Um, I just choose to want to protect these girls from the system that created this problem in the first place, instead of allowing them to be mouthpieces of that system in order to defend themselves. So thank you so much. I know it's late. Thank you. Um, we will post this and I will turn off all of my notifications. <laughs> Terrifying. Hey, no. no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, if this does generate conversation, good. That's what it was intended to do. Um, like I said, critique doesn't mean a takedown. And we've acknowledged that we have blind spots. And if you can respectfully point them out, yeah, let's do it. Um, and not make fun of my forehead because it looks big because my hair is bad. That's it. Thank you All for right, coming. Good, work. <laughs> good night, everybody. Night.